Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'm what you could probably describe as your host. And I'm all on my own this week. My usual sidekick, Tony Kerr, can't be with us tonight. He's been sent away by the uh, Kobo management to do some intensive work on his batting after a difficult start to the season. More on that in a moment. Uh, but yeah, so he's away. There's no Tony this week, I'm afraid. But before you smash your iPod to pieces in disgust, stick with me. We can still have fun, can't we? Yeah? Yeah, we probably can. I've got a lot coming up on the show. I've got a big preview of England v New Zealand and some side notes as well. So there's all sorts to talk about. The cricket world don't stop just because Tony's away and the World Cricket Show don't stop either. I was trying to think who I could get in as a, a guest co-host and all sorts of names ran through my mind nick grimshaw robert downey jr nick knight one of jls all my celebrity pals basically i gave benedict cumberbatch a call uh well 15 calls actually i haven't heard back from him yet i have heard from his lawyer but i haven't heard from benedict himself i am still hopeful that he'll come on a little bit later maybe chip in with a, a few quips about the side notes uh, but i think certainly to start with, it's just going to be me before Cumberbatch shows up. And before I talk about England and New Zealand, I, I wanted to kick things off tonight by uh, bringing you guys up to speed with, with what's happened to Kobo Legends over the last couple of weeks. Regular listeners are aware uh, that myself and Tony play for a team in the Guernsey Evening Cricket League called Kobo Legends. It was our debut season last year. It was a triumphant one as we were promoted from Division 4 to Division 3. Over the off-season, we were bumped up to Division 2. So, you know, we're playing at a pretty high level this season, Guernsey Evening League Division 2. And last Sunday, we played a 40-over game, uh, which is a very long game of cricket when you're me and Tony and you haven't played anything more than 20 overs aside for the best part of a decade. So it was an interesting experience. Didn't get off to the best of starts in that we managed to turn up 15 minutes late. Uh, basically, I live about 10 minutes away, a 10-minute drive away from the cricket ground, and I was in the car for an hour on the way there and that was down to the fact that I had to go pick up Tony at the bus terminus take him to his house so he could brush his teeth this is a Sunday morning bear that in mind he also needed to pick up his car keys because he left his car in town we had to go back to his car so he could get his cricket stuff he got his cricket stuff out of his car then got back in my car and then we drove to the ground and we turned up 15 minutes late and the captain was not happy with us at all uh, but we put that behind us and it was a thrilling game it actually finished as a tie, if you can believe that. It's quite funny because, you know, a 40 over game on a Sunday afternoon in Guernsey, it's pretty sedate. Uh, but like in terms of the actual cricket, you know, if it had been an international that I'd been watching on TV, I'd have thought it was one of the best games ever. Our number 11 was run out off the penultimate ball of the match, going for the winning run. Uh, so the scores finished level. Me and Tony made a, a pretty invaluable contribution to the run chase. Between us, we compiled two. And, you know, without those two runs, if you think about it, 
we'd have lost the game. So it was absolutely essential. Um, you could argue that if we'd managed to score even one run more, uh, then we would have won the game. But I don't like to look at it that way. I like to look at it that, you know, without our heroic contribution with the bat, it, it would have been a defeat. I bowled four overs and I even got a wicket, if you can believe that. Uh, it was classic scene bowlers dismissal. Really great to watch. Uh, hostile delivery, pushed through on a length outside off stump, took the edge of the bat, gobbled up by the keeper. Absolutely vintage dismissal. And I went absolutely bananas. It, it, it was a great moment. Um Admittedly, the guy I got out was about 11 years old, at most, about four foot eight. Didn't stop me celebrating in his face, you know, giving him a real send-off. You take what you can when you're me. Uh, I mean, the bigger boys kept hitting me for four, so uh, so I'll take any wicket, really. I mean, I say that, actually, I thought, I did think I bowled okay. I was reasonably happy with the way that I bowled, and I was hoping for another bowl when we played again in the evening league a few nights later. I thought, you know, oh, bowled well on Sunday. This is, this is my time to shine now. Get ball in hand, really uh, build on, on the work from Sunday. Spent most of the game at fine leg, doing stretches, you know, turning my arm over, visibly letting the captain know that I was up for a bowl. He didn't take the hint. Uh, I didn't get a bowl. And at the end, as, as we were walking off after a defeat, he came over to me and said, uh, listen, Adam, sorry I couldn't get you a bowl tonight, but, you know, they're a good team. Brilliant. England. This is the part of the show where we talk about England. Now, England's international season swings into action this week as they lock horns with New Zealand in the first test at Lords. Two months on from Monty Panazar's dive and the thrilling finish at Auckland, these two teams are back in action once again. They know more or less all about each other, don't they, after those three tests in New Zealand where they couldn't be separated. That series finished as a nil-nil draw, as I'm sure you remember. New Zealand very nearly ambushing the tourists in the final game in Auckland, but England clung on uh, to save face a little bit. Interestingly, it does seem like uh, a lot of people are viewing this from an England perspective as little more than a, a warm-up for the Ashes, which I don't know if you've heard about, but is uh, looming on the horizon later this summer and autumn and winter I'm not sure I like that, really. I, I, I dislike the idea that the only thing England fans care about is the Ashes. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that idea. I think this series should be very interesting in its own right. England have announced their squad for the game. Uh, I'll just read it to you. Alistair Cook has been named as captain. Uh, then we've got Nick Compton, Jonathan Trott, Ian Bell, Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Matt Pryor, Stuart Broad, Graham Swan, Steve Finn, James Anderson and Tim Bresnan. Now, on the surface, that's a very familiar-looking squad. You could say there's no real surprises in there. Obviously, Kevin Peterson is out with injury, so Johnny Bairstow is in there as a replacement for him. But otherwise, it, it, it's got a very uh, familiar ring to it, that squad. However, there is a big gamble that's going on with the bowling attack. Swan and Bresen have both been parachuted straight back into the squad after undergoing elbow surgery which is an interesting move. Now, on one level, I'm really pleased to see both Swan and Bresnan back. They've both made encouraging starts to the county season, and that's been taken by the selectors as, as evidence that they're ready to return to international cricket. Um, the selectors, it would appear, are very confident about their recoveries. They feel they are recovered. They've both been named in the Champions Trophy squad as well, which is an even bigger gamble, really, because that's a, a you know reasonably long tournament and you're not allowed to name 
replacements for players if they pull out due to pre-existing injuries. So if, if Swan or Bresnan's elbow begins to play up, England won't be able to name a replacement. So they obviously feel extremely confident about the way the surgery's gone to have named both of them in there. Just as an aside, speaking of the Champions Trophy squad, <sighs> Ravi Bapara's in it. Yeah, within about two minutes of that squad being announced, I was absolutely bombarded on Twitter with people wanting to know my reaction to uh, the fact that Bapara has been recalled. I don't really know what to say anymore. But anyway, on the on the Swan and Bresnan issue, yeah, I'm I'm pleased to see them back uh, because I think they're both really good cricketers, really important cricketers for the England side. But it's hard not to think that it might be a little bit hasty, a little bit unnecessary. There's unnecessary haste going on here. Bresnan in particular had quite a long period where he wasn't properly fit. Virtually the whole of 2012 when he was playing Test cricket for England, you got the sense that he wasn't really fit. Now, I don't know whether the evidence of a couple of first-class matches for Yorkshire is enough to say, yeah, he's definitely back to full fitness. Apparently he's bowling at full pace, and that's great. But I do just think he's got a, a bit more convincing to do than that. The England selectors want him in the team because they like him. They really like him as a player, they like him as a man, they consider him a, a really important part of the England side, and understandably so. He was a world-class bowler for a time. But, like I say, I just don't know whether it's necessary. I don't think there would have been any harm in waiting. There are other options. It's not like, you know, he's not Jimmy Anderson or Alistair Cook or someone like that that is, is virtually irreplaceable. They could have given someone like Graham Onions a go, let Tim Bresnan prove himself a little bit more for Yorkshire. He's an important player, but as I say, he's not irreplaceable. Graham Swan, I think, is irreplaceable. He was a massive miss for England and New Zealand, um, even though you know it would not have been his conditions. The control that he gives in unfavourable conditions is so vital. So in, in that sense, it's more understandable that they would rush him back, but I possibly would have rested him as well for this series. They've both just got a, quite a lot to prove to, to show that they are back to full fitness. It might be that they are, in which case, fantastic. Yeah, England have got two of their best players back, straight back into the team, will be really big weapons against this New Zealand side. But I don't know, there's just there's enough doubt there to make me feel slightly nervous about the fact that they've both been brought straight back. Maybe what it is, is evidence that England are quite worried about this New Zealand side. They feel that they need the best team they can possibly select if they're going to beat them. And they might well be right about that. I think England were caught off guard by just how well New Zealand played a couple of months ago. And they really don't want to lose this series. They can't afford to lose this series. You, know, you could say, I'll oh, you know, give all these England players a rest, save them for the Ashes. As I say, I don't really agree with doing that. But even if you were doing that, I'm not sure that that really makes sense because the worst possible preparation for the Ashes would be to lose to New Zealand. The damage that would do to England's confidence, the boost that would give to Australia's confidence would be pretty severe. There's every chance that the Kiwis could cause some trouble for England in this, in this series. As they showed in March, they are a very capable outfit in fairness to England, I don't think they were the only ones that were surprised by the quality that New Zealand did show in that series. After what happened to them in South Africa and in other recent series, like in the Caribbean, you know, they were they were seen as very much the weakest of the test sides. But at this point, with the way they played against England, if you look at them on paper, they've got the, the spine of a very good team there. The seam bowlers are pretty potent. They've got Doug Bracewell coming back in as well. Uh, he's probably going to play ahead of Neil Wagner. I think that's the right decision. I think he's a very good bowler. He'll swing it in England. Could be very dangerous. So yeah, the seam attack is strong. The middle order batting is strong. And what really helped them in March was that the opening batsmen were so successful. Peter Fulton, Hamish Rutherford, 
were both fantastic. Obviously, Fulton with those twin centuries in Auckland. Nobody was expecting the New Zealand openers to be as good as they were. They've also got a very good captain in Brendan McCullum, who, of course, took the role uh, in the aftermath of a, a pretty unedifying end to uh, Ross Taylor's reign. He was uh, stripped of the captaincy. No one really came out of that with any credit, but it does seem like Brendan McCullum is a very good captain. He looks to be the right choice to lead this New Zealand side. So while it was executed spectacularly badly, it may be that the, the logic of what they were doing, the reason that they were doing it, was, was a good one. Possible echoes of the start to Andrew Strauss's captaincy career, obviously, which came after the Peterson Moors meltdown out of a mess, England ended up with the right captain. It may be that something similar is happening here. New Zealand aren't without problems, though. They've got some doubts over Tim Southey's fitness, and he's obviously the leader of the attack, a uh, really important player, so they, they do need him to be fit. Since being stripped of the captaincy, Ross Taylor has not really scored any runs, and New Zealand do need him to score runs because he's very much the senior player in that middle order. If he continues to struggle to form, that is a weakness that England will exploit. So yeah, there are one or two problems, but despite that, the mood around the, the New Zealand camp is going to be pretty confident, I think, going into this first test. On the balance of play, they deserve to beat England at home, and they will not fear them in this series. All of that said, though, I think you'd still expect England to be too strong for them overall. The England bowlers should enjoy the conditions quite a bit more than they did in New Zealand, They'll have the juke ball in hand. They'll have cloudy skies, no doubt. They'll have miserable grey cloudy skies overhead, I would have thought. So they're going to enjoy the conditions. Although it has to be said that there are question marks over pretty much all of the quick bowlers. And I say quick bowlers, the word quick might not apply to Stuart Broad at the Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST moment who by all accounts is bowling in the the low 80s miles per hour for nottinghamshire so far this season it'll be interesting to see which of the four seam bowlers picked in the squad misses out on the face of it you'd expect it to be present i think you, you would say that anderson broad finn is the, the the attack that england consider to be their strongest but i don't understand why they'd bring Bresen into the squad if they didn't want him to play you know you'd think he'd be better served by getting a run out for Yorkshire he still might they might release him to go play for Yorkshire but you know I, I think they'll only have called him into the squad because they want him to play so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Steve Finn sit this one out so one or two questions over the bowling attack a possible vulnerability in the England middle order as well without Peterson they're going to have probably Bairstow at five Root at six both appear to be in fantastic form Joe Root scoring a, a double hundred for Yorkshire last week and a hundred 
for the England Lions against New Zealand. Bairstow also with 100 for Yorkshire last week and a 50 for the Lions against New Zealand. So both undoubtedly in touch, but uh, there will be quite a bit of pressure on them. Real big series for both of them. They, they, they've both got an opportunity to nail down a place for the Ashes and they'll get a real stern examination from the New Zealand bowlers. So yeah, there are a, a few areas of concern for England, but you know, if Cook makes runs, if Trot makes runs, if Anderson is at his best, you know, you'd say, yeah, they're definitely a better team than New Zealand. They should win this series, but they really have to take it seriously. They've got to put their foot on the gas in a way that perhaps they didn't quite in New Zealand a couple of months ago. Just going to pause for a second, just have a little sip of tea from my World Cricket Show mug. That's right. Mugs available soon. What I've gone and done is selected a composite 11 for this series, putting together one 11 from both England and New Zealand. I wish Tony were here to hear it. It's a shame that he's not, but I, I'm going to tell you it anyway. Uh, I've gone for an opening partnership of Alistair Cook and Peter Fulton, uh, Jonathan Trott at three, a middle order of Ross Taylor, Ian Bell and Brendan McCullen. Matt Pryor is my wicketkeeper, Graham Swan my spinner, and then a seam bowling attack of Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad and Tim Southey. Now in that 11, there are seven Englishmen and four Kiwis. It was a difficult one, this not the most straightforward selection I've ever been able to make on this show, because there are doubts surrounding quite a few of those players. Uh, obviously, as I've mentioned, Ross Taylor, I've picked him on, on reputation, but he's really struggling for form. Graham Swan coming back from injury. Tim Salvey may not play because he's injured. Stuart Broad struggling for form. You know, it was a, it was a hard composite 11 to pick, but then, uh, you know, this is where I really earn my salary, I suppose, by making the tough decisions like these. In terms of predictions, it's just a two-test series, which does make it quite hard to call, I think. Obviously, England won the last two times New Zealand toured, 3-0 in 2004 and 2-0 in 2008. So New Zealand haven't won a test match in England since 1999. I think I'm, I'm going to go for England to take it 1-0. I'm backing the weather, I guess, to have a, a say in one game, perhaps with some New Zealand resistance as well. So maybe one draw and England to win the other one and take the series 1-0. But anyway, yeah, it, it promises to be a, a fascinating series. And no doubt will give us some uh, interesting indicators ahead of the Ashes, which, let's face it, is the only thing us England fans care about. And anyone who says otherwise is a liar. And we're back. And the side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. I say we, of course, it's still just me. No Tony, no Cumberbatch. Uh... Uh, so I'll crack on without him. I've only got the one side note this week, but it's quite a long one. So uh, I hope you're sitting comfortably. It comes from the Daily Telegraph. The Daily Telegraph. Matt Pryor. I thought about giving up cricket for baseball when I was first left out by England. Matt Pryor had the record books laid out. Ten tests into his England career, he was comparing his figures to those of the great wicketkeeper batsman. The year was 2007. The gloves were on his hands. They were his for keeps. What could go wrong? Quote, I'd played 10 tests and I wanted to know the stats for Adam Gilchrist and Kumar Sangakkara after 20 tests, i.e. 10 tests later, says Pryor. The next phone call I got was to say I'd been dropped. And there I was thinking about where I wanted to be in 10 tests time. My focus was all wrong. The imperious, confident, automatic starter who describes playing with this England team as going to work with all your best mates is hard to reconcile with the tormented soul who was cast from the side after an error-ridden tour of Sri Lanka six years ago. 
The keeper now preparing for two tests against New Zealand and back-to-back -back Ashes series is the one with 196 dismissals from 65 tests, and he saved his country in Auckland in March with a mighty unbeaten knock of 110. With a test average of 45.46, a decent chance of beating Alan Knott's England record of 269 dismissals behind the stumps, and the vice-captaincy behind Alistair Cook, Pryor, 31, presents a formidable counterpoint to Brad Haddon, the veteran Australian wicketkeeper, recalled to add intestinal fortitude to this summer's touring party. An Ashes series in 2009 was the making of Pryor, who scored a century on his test debut against West Indies in May 2007, but then spent a year in the wilderness after his malfunction in Sri Lanka. Quote, I'd played well up till then, but there was a massive focus in 2009. I got that stumping off Marcus North at the Oval and everyone said, that was a decent bit of work, and actually he's been pretty good this whole series. That was a massive step in the right direction. I'd made the mistake of thinking too much about what was being said in the media, on TV and by the commentators. And it's not healthy, whether they're saying brilliant things about you or horrible things. But the fight back was about more than quelling media scepticism. Pryor's recovery is a classic tale of stubbornness that could be taught to England players of all sports and stripes. Quote, When I was first left out, I wanted to give up cricket. I was devastated. Any young kid starting cricket has the dream of playing for England. Therefore, your nightmare is to be dropped. I had quite a bit of time to reflect and spoke to a lot of people in my family. Alex Stewart as well. I even toyed with the idea of giving up wicketkeeping altogether and just focusing on my batting. Alec was the one who said, I think you owe it to yourself to give it one more big go with the gloves. After that first couple of weeks when I wanted to give up cricket, move to America, try baseball, all those ridiculous things that fly around your head, I started plotting. I just remember thinking, right, well, I'm going to have to perform to a level where they have no choice but to select me again. There's no harm in good times in returning to the bad to find out more about the compulsion to rise again. And Pryor is happy, almost eager, to look back. Quote, the pressure of those early years really helped me. These days I know my game pretty well. I can still get a bit emotional at times. One of the things I took from the innings against New Zealand in Auckland is that in such a tense situation it's very easy to build it up and get carried away. I was able to stay very logical and break it all down. New Zealand will remember that knock at Lords this week. So will Australia in the summer months beyond. Despair helped make a warrior of Pryor. So there you go. Interesting interview. It's quite a, a noticeable thing. You know, if he's identified 2009, the 2009 Ashes series as, as where, you know, things really kicked in for him as an England cricketer. It's probably worth pointing out that uh, 2009 is when Andy Flower took over. You know, one of the great wicketkeepers of all time, as I didn't mention for most of last week's episode, being the, the head coach, maybe that helped Pryor. Maybe there was a bit more focus on Pryor's glove work. And, you know, with, with Flower there guiding him, he couldn't really ask for much more. But yeah, it was an interesting article, I thought. A bit of a misleading headline, in a way, about uh, Pryor almost taking up baseball, because that was, seemed like a bit of a throwaway comment. But it's always something that's fascinated me, the idea of uh, cricketers playing baseball. I'd, I'd love to see how a cricketer would get on in baseball, how a baseball player would get on in cricket. I suspect the answer is that, in either case, they wouldn't succeed to a professional level, because obviously they are very different skill sets. But... I think it would just be interesting to see what happened. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Chris Gale in the MLB, MS Dhoni, swinging away, batter up, uh, the fourth inning, uh, strikeouts, other baseball terminology, the diamond, left field. That's about all I got. Much like Britain's position in the European Union, if it were up to Tory Education Minister Michael Gove, this episode of the World Cricket Show is heading for the exit. 
Hashtag satire. It's a hot-button issue, isn't it, the EU? Don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, but yeah, that's it for this week. It's been all right, hasn't it? Yeah? We've all had a good time? We've all had a great time. Well, Tony should hopefully be back with us next week. I'm sure you're all extremely hopeful that Tony will be back with us next week. Just wanted to read some of your tweets just before I started recording this. I put something on Twitter saying uh, that I was about to record on my own and I'd appreciate the uh, the company. A tweet from Louise James. He says, Enjoying my stir fry and Coronation Street after a long day at work. A mention would be the pinnacle of my exciting day. Well, there you go, Louise. Anything I can do. At uh, D-I-H-S blog says, Any advice for fighting a parking ticket? I know one listener is dying to know. Tony's your man there, really, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, he's, you know, he's the guy when it comes to driving offences, I feel. He won't thank me for saying that. But uh, I think I've only ever had one parking ticket. Uh, and I was very much at fault. So I paid it. So uh, I can't, you know, I don't really know what to suggest. I'll ask Tony about it. We'll, uh, we'll have a chat next week. Uh, and then quite a lot of people are tweeting, just asking me uh, along the lines of who's going to win the Ashes. So all anyone's talking about is the Ashes. I'm not going to stick my neck out just yet, though. I'm going to wait to make my prediction. I suspect we will be talking about the Ashes quite a bit over the coming weeks. Actually, on that subject, I had a dream last night that England lost the first test, threw away a big first innings lead. It was a lead of at least 150, I think, or 200. Ended up bowled out for about 40 in the second innings, and it was all over. I can't remember whose fault it was. I think Ian Bell might have chucked his wicket away. That seems pretty likely, I suppose, but anyway... It was a horrible dream. I woke up sweating. I'm actually dreaming about cricket more and more, possibly beginning to understand why some people accuse me of taking cricket too seriously, possibly beginning to understand why my family organised that intervention. I've talked about this before, but I had a cricket dream once that wasn't exactly about cricket, but I was watching the start of a test match on the television uh, and David Gow was in the the Sky studio uh, setting things up and eventually he went... And now it's time to hand over to your match commentators, Mark Ruffalo and Eddie Izzard. And I'd love it if that actually was the commentary team. It would be better than bloody Nick Knight anyway. But that's about it for this week. I think it's been an odd episode, just me. Uh, I promise that things will be back to normal pretty soon. If you're a new listener, you might like to check out our back catalogue. Arguably, I should have mentioned that at the top of the show, uh, rather than just listening to this one weird guy jabbering away in his bedroom so Tony will be back next week but between now and then if you'd like to get more involved in the World Cricket Show there's all manner of things that you can do you can like us on Facebook facebook.com slash cricket show follow us on Twitter at cricket show you can follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Cover T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R let me have a look and see if he's actually tweeted anything recently no last tweet on the 2nd of May well, follow him anyway, and I'll, I'll try and twist his arm, get him tweeting. Oh yeah, and you can uh, you can follow Kobo Cricket Club as well, at Kobo Cricket Club, that's C-O-B-O, Cricket Club. You get live updates from the games. Uh, send us an email as well, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Write a review for us on iTunes if you feel like doing something nice. We do really appreciate all of those. Uh, and if you go to our online website, www.cricketshow.net, on there, you can purchase your World Cricket Show t-shirt for just £15, which includes free shipping to anywhere in the world. And if you keep your eyes on the website, look out for the mugs available soon. But that's it for this week. Stay in school, everybody. Hope you're having a good May. 
I'll be back next week. Tony will be here too. Until then, goodbye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.